0: Okay, here we are again, another month, another podcast, I know. Flying bar. Flying we'll go into November. and then it'll be Christmas. I
1: know, December at the end of the week, which is yeah. a scary, yeah. scary thought, I
0: think. And exciting. And exciting. I love Christmas. Anyway, um, we are going to have a chat today about uh, the idea of unpicking research and teaching practice, aren't we? Because... Um, we are very aware as ever that there is a lot of stuff flying around about research and teaching at the moment and we think it would be really helpful to do almost like a little series of things about of of podcast episodes about research and practice and different people's experience of it Mm -hmm. but I guess we'll spend this episode sort of setting the scene with a kind of broad perspective and, and maybe have a chat about what we think about each of the terms that gets hmm. that get used when you're thinking about research and evidence and theory and practice and how all of those sorts of things sit together right. together yeah absolutely yeah. so we've read a chapter from a book that's um, all about evidence-based practice mm-hmm. the title of the, the chapter is teachers using evidence
1: using what we know about teaching and learning to reconceptualise evidence based practice. So yeah. and it, it starts with the idea of evidence based practice versus evidence informed practice and the idea that those are subtly different things.
0: Yeah, Would that be I useful so. to clarify those terms first? I think so. One of the reasons why evidence based practice is something to be unpicked is because of the idea that in medicine if, if I've got evidence of something it's going to be something quite kind of empirical and quantifiable and you know um, I can make some conclusions about what will therefore happen in most cases as a result of this evidence I can base my practice on that evidence. Mm-hmm. Whereas in education there are so many variables and so many factors that will change each and every context that it's really difficult to say that, well, the, the evidence shows, therefore I will yes. and expect.
1: Yes. So factors like any policies that the school has, any typical practices that the school has, things that the staff have spent their time doing... How individual members of staff have got expertise in different things, have engaged in different ways; those kinds of
0: things, yeah, are and I also the things that impact. Yes, and but and also all of the complexities of having a group of human beings in a room. Yes, on any one day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the unpredictability of learning. Mm-hmm. One of the things that the article, the chapter made me think about um, was the work of um, Gert Biester mm-hmm. who, I read his beautiful risk of education and what, why what works doesn't work, mm-hmm. um, which are both quite interesting in the sense that uh, he talks about how there are so many intangible, unmeasurable invisible things that happen in the process of learning Mm -hmm. that it's it's you're on the wrong path almost I'm horribly paraphrasing his work um to try to draw uh really sound evidential conclusions about how this will work and this won't yes because it's always 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 context specific yes um, and it's
1: interesting for me that, as you say, this chapter was written in 2004, but it does talk about uh, you know, where kind of the origins of this research, teachers using research more in the classroom, where that has come from. And, and I've heard people use terms like reclaim the profession yes. uh, by but not being slaves to the whole idea that the, you know there are all these ideas... Bandied about, um, you know. Some of them uh, are seen to be successful; others aren't. Uh, some, to the extent, and I find this difficult uh, myself, sometimes, where uh, somebody will really kind of poo poo um, <laughs> certain black <Blackadder>, certain things <laughs> like uh, learning styles or brain gym, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. and those things are cited as. Uh, what's the word, paths that we've been sent down that didn't go anywhere. Mm. There's a term for that, isn't there? Something to do with rabbit holes, I suspect. Um, And that those things were not helpful and actually to reclaim the profession, we will engage with research more, is that right? However, there are people who you talk to who I think are passionate about brain gym possibly and, and learning styles. Does that explain, is that idea, do you think of all of those invisible factors those are the things yes. that would lead somebody to say but I found this highly effective yes and somebody else to say yes. but that was
0: rubbish and a waste of time absolutely yeah I, and I think that's where we get to this idea of evidence informed practice so that there are, there are sort of two parts to the use of evidence we can also unpick what we mean by evidence mm. maybe we'll come to that but that both an ability to engage with what other people have tried and thought and suggested and interrogate that in a way that I can then, f- that forms part of my professional knowledge. Yes. That's one part of being evidence-informed. Yes, And then another part of being evidence-informed is engaging in a process of... Um, the chapter calls it problematizing mm-hmm. so so and that's got echoes of sort of action research and lesson study in it where I notice something that is challenging or I have a question about or um, I'm not sure what to do about and I problematize it to try some things out and see what happens and I think one of the things I find problematic is that certain types of evidence-based practice or certain types of research ebb and flow in their popularity and it almost gets a little bit sneery.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean I, th- I think that's absolutely that's what I, I suppose I had kind of seen and, and it's interesting to think about all those invisible factors and that you know as being really crucial parts to that there there were two things about the problematizing idea that i had found in the chapter interesting one was the idea that when things are problematized mm-hmm. i think that, that the um, the writer suggests that that's what can really hook teachers in and motivate them yeah. because they can we can all i would imagine you know relate to that idea of you know in, in your classroom at any one time there are some things that generally don't work as well as you would like them to or you feel like if I knew more about this or I could develop this or um, and the other thing is they that the problematizing and the way that that in order to because of all these invisible factors and the fact that we can't just pick up this evidence-based model and say here it is Mm -hmm. is that it puts the teacher then again in the position of the learner. Mm. So Mm. I now have to, I can take this evidence-informed knowledge and I now will, as a learner, I will now explore Mm. um, how this works, how this works for me, how this works in my classroom right here, right now.
0: And I think that is, that's something that is really hopeful about the drive to inform, include uh, evidence in teaching is, is the fact that it reconnects the teacher with being a learner. But to avoid
1: the... Um, that's part of the challenge with, with um, you know, today's brand new word of the day, sneery. Um, people getting sneery about things. uh, is is, That's one of the challenges, isn't it? Because if teachers are in the position of being learners and curious and engaged, and all the challenges, and and I think it identifies that in the article, the challenges of being a learner yourself that are then in the mix of all of this. Yes. um, That when somebody is searching for that and, and being in that position of being a learner, when ideas... Are perhaps sneered at, then it shuts down that yes. learning. Perhaps yes. where actually that's really crucial, and it's quite in my mind, it's quite possible that what is relevant to me in my classroom here today might be totally different to me in my classroom in a month. Yep. The teacher next door to me now, yes. because all of those invisible factors are at, at play, and therefore you. Need to do your own learning at your own, which is which is relevant to you, and you can't replicate that anywhere else.
0: And I think that that's one of the things again that I picked up on in the chapter that I quite liked was the idea of differentiating practitioner inquiry. Yes, that that has to have an element of personalisation to it for yes. exactly the reasons you're describing. Yeah, also because that's what's motivating, as we've already said. Yes. The, uh, another thing that came across really strongly for me from reading the chapter was this idea of construction of professional knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I think that is where research and evidence is really interesting in education. Because the idea of what do we mean by professional knowledge, what knowledge is it important for teachers to have, how do we bring all of those different knowledges together in a way that ultimately makes a difference to the learning of the children in front of us. Mm. And the other point I picked up on was this thing about collaboration, Mm. that that social construction of knowledge is really important.
1: Mm. One of the things that I was really interested in from the chapter was to return to that idea of the teacher then, as a learner, um, the the chapter references Joyce and Showers, nineteen eighty eight, and the importance, therefore, of if that's the position this this person is in, to be uh, to, to work on some evidence, to read some evidence, or to consider some evidence. Yet, yes, I would agree collectively mm. is a really good way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I often find that I do like to put things out to, can we have a conversation in a group, you know? So, for example, in my current role, would several would, who would like to come and talk about how we teach spelling, how we teach reading, mm-hmm. um, and have a look at, you know, what, what we know about what's effective and why and when? I, I find that collective experience mm-hmm. really valuable, and I know teachers do. And when you talk to teachers, they talk about the most valuable thing being the opportunity to talk to colleagues about practices and they really value um, quite often talking to somebody who's, you know, primary or secondary and they're not Mm. all talking to somebody who um, teaches in a different school to them. So I I think my experience is that that is highly valued and teachers often say the most valuable thing about a course Mm. is the opportunity to talk to other professionals about, Mm. about it. But I'm interested in also this idea of just um you know that that's a crucial part of it but actually also a crucial part for any learner is then to apply that and explore what that is like and receive positive feedback and that's as true of the experience of learning to ride a bike as it is of learning whether some evidence on effective ways to teach reading or key ideas in the teaching of reading would work in my classroom. Mm. They both need that element of, I will give it a go and receive some sort of feedback, not necessarily from somebody who's expert, but from Mm. somebody who can help to continue that collaborative discussion so it's not just me on my Mm, own now trying to make something work with all the other invisible factors and juggling all the other things mm. that teachers do. And, and this chapter really makes the point of that being such a crucial part of the the cycle, which is essential, isn't it? If that person is learning, mm. they, they need those points at which they can come back and they've got other people discussing with them and, mm. and sharing yeah. how it's going and why and what.
0: And I think that the, in some of the work that I've done recently some of the most powerful conversations are the ones where you know, you're know you there as a peer group picking over yes. something specific and asking questions of each other and of it, the yes. situation, that, yeah. the problem that you're trying to get your head around. Mm. I mean, this, the particular example I'm thinking of as part of a lesson study model, mm. um, you know, that sort of sense of joint planning and then joint evaluation afterwards I was, um, I was struck when you said just now about positive feedback that feedback doesn't have to be yes brilliant that worked great we'll do it like that from now on the yeah. positivity comes from somebody engaging with what you're trying Absolutely. to find out about yes yes um, so which bits of that seem to be beneficial which bits of it could could we hypothesise might be different if we tried them un- differently another time? Mm. And what you're constantly doing then is churning over and refining and solidifying and culling different bits of thinking and practice. But it's about a richness of stuff to draw on, isn't mm. it, I suppose? Mm. So for me, this the, the idea of if we're going to unpick evidence-informed practice... It's about how it's about providing the space and time for professionals to really discuss, Mm. properly discuss Mm. stuff. Mm. Not in a way that becomes like anecdotal. Oh well, I've tried this, Mm -hmm. but let's um, let's really try and. If I look at it in from this perspective, what happens? If if I look Mm -hmm. at this incident from this perspective, what happens? Mm and that's where the collective thing becomes part, again, of the social construction of knowledge. Mm. And there's power in that. Mm.
1: And as you say, that helps you to solidify for yourself, these are the things that are effective for me or the best practices for me yeah. in the current kind of climate or, or, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, particularly, possibly because things change sometimes very frequently in teaching and that search what are the the real principles underneath things that that you do hold on to that don't Mm. change or that we deepen our knowledge of to ensure that other things use that knowledge and don't push it to one side Mm. um, are are really important aren't they so that the superficial of a new initiative or a new idea or a new term um, you know are not the things that in the end we are driven by
0: which yeah. i think it's
1: easy to be driven by definitely
0: yeah i think it's fair to say that unpicking evidence-based or evidence-informed practice unpicking what we mean by research and practitioner inquiry in all those terms mm. is showing us that there is a lot of rich experience to be drawn on and things to be thought about in terms of the place that this holds in developing a teaching profession, Mm -hmm. developing teacher knowledge. Um, So what I'm hoping is that we're going to be able to encourage more people to come and talk to us about their experiences of research in practice, Mm -hmm. their experiences of being a uh, practitioner, researcher, if uh, or whatever phrase—it's it, the even mm. the or phrases are interesting.
1: Practitioner. Yeah. yeah,
0: how people identify yes. the words they would use to identify yes. what yeah. that part of their professional role yeah. and what it is that they're doing yeah. and why it is they're doing it. Yeah. And we've got some people lined up who are going to talk to us over the next few episodes. But if you're listening and you've you know been talking to the car radio as we've been going and you feel like there's other stuff that we haven't said because there's bound to be lots of things it's that a we big, haven't said big idea yeah. short podcast yeah, and small <laughs> podcast. yeah. Um, then, then I would really value as, as many different voices as possible on this I think it's a really interesting relevant idea and I'd love to hear some different perspectives on it so yeah. um, I'll leave it there for
1: today
0: and next time you hear from us it'll be nearly Christmas I will probably try and squeeze in some very bad Christmas jokes. (laughs) Something to look forward (laughs) to. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Kirsty.